Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 307. Thank you very much for all the love for last week's episode with Carl Pilkington and for the Films of the Year episode that kicked the year off, which leads us on to this one because today's episode is with the, the Safdie brothers and they're a pair of brothers who are who write and direct and act. Um, and one of their films, Uncut Gems, was in my Films of the Year list and was one of the ones I put forward as... You know, it's the top five of the top 16, if not the number one. Maybe the top three, maybe the number one, who knows. But it's a fantastic film. And it's in cinema, It's in limited cinemas in the UK now, including the Prince Charles Cinema, which is my favourite cinema um, in London. Um, I have an episode way back in like the first 20 or 30 episodes that was with Paul uh, Vickery, who, who runs the Prince Charles and has has run there for has run it there for a long time so that's worth going and have a look but it's also it's on Netflix on January 31st their other film um their most easily accessible other film or easily available is Good Time and that's also on Netflix um and it's fantastic but as i said in the in the films of the year podcast uncut gems is really one if you can catch it in the cinema i really urge you to do so it was it was a physical experience for for me to watch the music having that huge cinema sound system build the tension it's quite a, all of their films are quite frantic as 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 we talk about i mean we talk about it a lot here but um i really enjoyed talking to uh, to these guys i'm a big fan of their work it's exciting to see what's ahead for them it feels there's there's some really beautiful this was a really inspirational chat for me personally um as an actor and as a writer um because there's just some bits on it you'll hear at the end the kind of the the path to making this film whilst it may have felt um like it had hurdles in the way and roadblocks turns out it's the exact path it needed it to be for it to be as an amazing a film as it is so anyway i won't ramble on too much um as ever i'm losing my voice a little bit so apologies for that um as ever speechdevelopmentrecords.com is where you can buy my music we've got vinyl at the moment um my live shows all sorts of stuff and merch sunglasses hoodies loads of we may not be for you and that's fine merch so um yeah head over there patreon.com slash pip if you're into that kind of thing but for now this is distraction pieces podcast episode 307 with the safety brothers How's it going, guys? Sorry, I thought somebody was coming in there. No, I didn't mean to keep you waiting. Good to so, meet you. How's yeah, it you going? Too. It's good. Enjoying it all? Uh, yes, it's it's a lot, but it's good. People are people are excited. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an intense one, right? I've oh. sat down already before. <laughs> so, hello, how's it going? <laughs> nice to meet you, Pip. Nice to meet you, Pip. How's it all going? All right. I've, I've started rolling. Oh, so okay. Jump <laughs> Great. That's, if that's okay with you guys. But yeah, but how are you finding it all? Is it an intense... Intense run in London. Yeah, uh, it's very short. Yeah. Uh, we we, uh, we landed yesterday and we're leaving tomorrow morning. So it's, I, it's a shame because I 
like coming here, you want to have a little bit more time, yeah, just to see the city. Yeah, know? of course. Just like walking around for like thirty seconds, like oh my god, there's a lot, a lot of history here. Yeah, <laughs> just five I, seconds. When I used to um, tour in, in music, and that New York took took me at least four tours to get. My oh my around God. any of it because you're there again it's that similar thing you're in hotels yeah, yeah. and you're going oh I need to go for sure to a specific diner or whatever yeah, yeah. you're not really taking anything yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> so it can be intense um, well it's great to have you both I should introduce I'm joined by Benny and Joss as uh, Safadi some of my listeners get annoyed that if I have writers or directors on that I'm a fan of um, <laughs> I'll always mention that I'm an actor uh, and often mention that I came from 10 years as a rapper in, in, into acting. But I'm bringing it up at the start now because I need to tell you about my Sundays. I, must, I torture myself on Sundays. Uh-huh. I, um, I go down these IMDb rabbit holes mm-hmm. and look at writers and, and the, the directors and casting directors that have made shit that I think is amazing uh-huh. and I want to work with. Yes. So, so you guys have made it onto that list with good time. Oh, thank you. But then... I walked out of Uncut Gems, and the first thing I did was move you guys up to the the top of that list because it's such a, <laughs> particularly in the cinema, it's such an experience of a film. It uh-huh. kind of w- washes over you in such a heavy manner. How's it been getting it out there to people and and getting what seems to be an overwhelmingly positive reaction? It's I, the thing is, it's, what's cool about it is we spent so much time getting to this movie, yeah. you know, and learning how to to do certain things and you think like, okay, if we do this in this particular moment in the movie, it's going to affect people that way. And then when you watch it with an audience, everybody feels it at that moment. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that worked. You know? Yeah. That's it's been, um, you know, you spend 10 years working on something that it, it, you know, when you start to see it out in the real world, it's, it's interfacing with people. It, It, you know, it's like a, it was a drug for us over the past 10 years and it's it's cool to see people have a narcotic reaction with it yeah. uh you know the, to me the thrilling the thriller element of it the tension like the the part that makes people lean towards the edge of the edge of their seats is um is something that we kind of uh worked and educated ourselves on with good time and and uh so it wasn't like it was the, that experience is that fulfilling of course it is on this but it it wasn't the thing that we were looking to the thing that that's most satisfying for us is is is, uh the humor you know like seeing people seeing people being in an audience i've watched with two audiences now feeling everyone move towards the edge of their seat but hearing the laughter hearing people laughing throughout the movie at really strange (laughs) times when people might not necessarily laugh that to me has been like that's been that's been pretty great because you know you you uh you can't fake laughter yeah. You know, sometimes I'm in some rep house movie theaters and you hear people like forcing the laugh or giving like their snooty laughs. Yeah, yeah. And I hate that and I hate when people laugh ironically, but real genuine laughter is cool and it's cool to hear. I mean, obviously not everyone finds this movie funny, but but um it is cool to see that the humor is hitting because it is it, it, we did write it with that idea and that's why we cast Sandler to some extent. Again, I mean that's what's amazing. Equally, at the start of the year, I didn't expect to have an Adam Sandler film in my films of the year. Yeah, yeah. And that's not anything against Adam. I think what he does is amazing. But yeah. I get annoyed sometimes with my film of the year list if I'm short on blockbusters uh-huh. or on comedies because it's so it's easy to <laughs> totally, fall yeah. down that art house route. And yeah. I don't want to have this fucking hipster yeah, films of the year list. <laughs> I, was li- I was literally talking to a mate about it last night. That this it, year, yeah. there's so many smaller films that are just blowing me away. So, so how was that to bring it? Adam Sandler on board. And again, I think the thing that's beautiful about it is as well is you've not avoided 
laughter, as you said. It'd be mm-hmm. easy to go, oh, we're getting Adam to, to, yes. to do one of his dr- drama yeah, terms. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you're doing both. Because, well, yeah, that's, that's the thing is like when you do – because the thing is, is like com- there's a certain type of comedian who is so in touch with themselves and the tragedy of yeah. their lives or like, and you kind of using their – I guess their experiences at such a close level that they're in tune with that. So Sandler we knew could access – his life in that way, but we yeah. also didn't want to abandon the stuff we loved about him. You know, yeah, we really wanted to make a movie that embraced who he was and all of his skills in the best way. And to see him just change so many times, like when he's in the showroom, he's one way. He's got this kind of sing-songy voice, yeah. which you picked up from following jewelers and see how they how they sell. When he's in his back room, he's just total brass tacks new yorker and you know and then when he's at home he's a little bit more caring and loving you know it's 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 awesome to see him and the thing is i have the same thing where you don't want to get so caught up in this high-minded view of what movies are so you do want to be open to them because the truth is you can have an independent film made at a 200 million dollar level you know look at the irishman you know It's it's these insane budgets but if somebody's telling a movie from a point of view that's that's all that matters you know I saw I saw Waves last night and I was heartbroken because again it's making it onto my films again. It's like another independent, cool hipster film. I'm like, God damn it! Like, it's knocked all the all the superhero films out. I love a superhero film, but it's it's hard to maintain that. So, uh, is it a conscious thing to go about casting people who you want to uh, adjust the viewing public's p- p- perception of? Because because Robert Pattinson as well in, yeah, in yeah. Good Time was another one where, and again, it's why. Good Time and, and High Life this year are the two things that have made me seem to be the one person who wasn't annoyed when yeah. he was cast as Batman. I was like, no, <laughs> it's amazing. Total, it yeah. It's going to be sense. amazing. It's going to be perfect. Yeah. So is that a conscious thing for you guys to go, right, let's let's try and push no. the boundaries of what... The thing uh, uh, well, you, you want to push the boundaries with anyone you work yeah. with, uh, yeah. whether it's their first movie or their 100th movie. You know, it's, it's uh, you know you just kind of want to work with people's personas and, and uh, get get in get into who they are or who they can reflect in a weird way. But, uh, you know, with Rob, you know, it was, you, we met him and, and I, you know, we were planning on making this movie when we met him and, and he wanted to work together and we said, hey, I'm sorry, there's no role for you in this movie we're trying to do. <laughs> and, uh, but when, when we met him, you know, I was reading Executioner's Song and, and watching a lot of episodes of Cops and, and there was, there was an idea in the back of our heads that we wanted to do, but it wasn't the next film. And then when we met him, he came in and he kind of came in like, like a guy on the run, like someone who's running away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had this furtive quality to him and, and, um, it just, you know, you could immediately see him as a guy on the run. Yeah. Well, the- so you, you try to write to, to parts of people's personalities that, that, um, that you know, some in the case of Sandler, I think this movie is very much in his wheelhouse. You know, I think that he's, you know, very much in the tradition of Rodney Dangerfield. He's a, he's you know a classic 20th century Jew in, in that regard. But he's um, you know, like kind of trying to make people laugh and and wearing with pride. But but um, but yeah, you you just kind of try to write to the people. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like what I was gonna say with Rob. It wasn't like we're like oh we're gonna reinvent him he came to us with a true sincere desire to make something new yeah and he's like i want to be in your world and i want to experience that and it was amazing that he was willing to come to us and say that so we were totally open with working with him because we saw a part of his personality that we could explore yeah and the same thing with sandler he was so excited 
by our work that it was awesome to see him respond in that way. And we had loved him since his comedy records. You know, his comedy records are the most incredible things. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was just – we were talking about how it's so funny how our first image of him isn't even an image. It's, well, it's just the cover of his album and then the characters he played on it. So it wasn't even the – it's not right. the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was these, re- these records, <laughs> which were these worlds where you could imagine how he was moving and acting. But all you had was that one photo of him. Some of them, one of them was him as even a kid, you know. It's, it's amazing. It, it's really interesting because it plays to something that I loved about the film as well, and that's vo- voices. Yes. And not always easy to understand voices. Yes, yes. It's, it's a, a beautiful f- thing in cinema. I remember when Gaspar Noe did Enter the Void, there were numerous scenes where you couldn't fully yeah, yeah. hear what the characters were saying, but mm-hmm. that's what l- life is like. And that yeah. was a beautiful thing in this. 100%. There were some characters that I was like, well, did he just like had such yeah, yeah. strong <laughs> and weird and natural yeah. accents? I was like... Am I getting all of this? Yeah, and yeah. that was a beautiful thing. Is that a conscious thing to get that oh, reality? For in sure. Like voices, faces, all these things that just kind of pass by, you know, that you, you just ex- just see and accept. Yeah. But the voices in particular was a very big thing. Like there's that guy, the one Marshall. He's, his name is Marshall in real life. But he I, looks like Ronnie Dangerfield. He looks like Ronnie Dangerfield. Yes. He's got such the a – The guy he pawns the ring. Yeah, he's got yeah, such yeah, a voice. Yeah. It's like almost like a Harvey Fudge. Yeah, yeah, Bubby. Bubby. And then, every, and then there's Mitchell, the guy. As soon Larry. as he was on screen, he was the one that, g- that gave me that note. I yes. thought, oh, this guy. Yeah, it's it's like got you that wouldn't, deep. It feels like a casting director wouldn't necessarily cast that person. 100%, yeah. They won't oh, have nailed and Keith, the. And Keith, the, the yeah. guy, one of the main um, uh, heavies for Arno, yeah, yeah. he's got that really raspy, beautiful voice, but like he's, you can't escape that. Yeah. And again, it's, it's part of people's personality, you know? And, and with. In this, we also wanted the overlapping dialogue because that's what happens in real life. You talk yeah. over one, one yeah. another. And the thing is, is what's amazing is we try to then say, okay, if you're going to interject there, we try and capture it from both points of view. So we'll be able to edit with it, which is even crazier. So if somebody's talking and then he says something right now while I'm talking, we're going to try and show that even though it's so hard to actually line that up. Yeah, that, like how are you in two places at once? That's not possible, you know? Yeah. It must be a tough thing to balance the artistic and the realistic. But, yeah, exactly. if you know what I mean, from the because, job point of view of editing yes, exactly. and making a film and the reality point of view, of we want to make this real. Yes. You know? Yeah. You know, you, you, um, you try, you know, it's, it's t- from a technical standpoint by, um, you know, allowing a, a room full of extras to, to basically, you're encouraging them to, you're telling, you're not only telling them to not be quiet which is what most films do. You're actually encouraging them to, to speak freely and be, you know, as they would be in a jewelry store, uh, in a small jewelry store with reverberant walls and jewelry all over the place. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know if you have a, if you have a quiet conversation happening, you know, that will actually make your life, Benny and Ronnie's life very <laughs> difficult in the editing process because okay. you're literally having people talking almost at the same volume. And, uh, you know, it, it, what it does do for the acting though, for the actors is, is it, it makes their private interaction actually feel private, which is yes. what you, yeah. which yeah. is what you kind of want. You want, uh, you just want everything is towards the performance. Yeah. Everything. The thing is like by, by committing to that idea from the beginning, it totally transforms what you're, you know, you know, you're getting into it at the end. You know, yeah. you know, this is what I'm gonna have to deal with, but it allows the actors so much more freedom to just be open with one another and listen. Cause if I'm listening to you, if I'm waiting for you to finish what you're saying before I say my line, it changes my performance. There's you know? a, there's an American architect, uh, Inc. One of the best architects ever, Louis Sullivan. And, uh, he, uh, kind of famously said form follows function and that's what we always kind of live by yeah, that's down. Yeah. it's like if, if that's how we're going to get it 
it's, you got to do it that way. I love it. And I love the mix as well. Cause there's uh, one of my favorite directors over here is, is Shea Meadows mm-hmm. and he, he casts a lot of non-actors mm-hmm. and it's amazing. And you get this, this realness and chaotic mm-hmm. element that you can't get any other way. But what you guys do that astounds me almost even more is kind of combining actors and non-actors. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it feels like it must be an exciting thing to be part of from the, the actor's point of view. But equally, it gives you the, that energy because there's not, they're not, not everyone in the scene is that train kind of, I'm waiting for my part and yeah. here's my part. They're, yes, exactly. They're just jumping in and, well, and stepping over each because other. Because it's like with, take that scene with Sandler and the jeweler. You know, he, Sandler's coming in and he's now – he knows he's up against a guy who knows his shit, you know, who knows, okay, I'm not going to go in there and make a fool out of myself. So I got to really step up my game. Yeah. So Sandler's coming in with that energy and this guy's now – he knows all of his stuff about jewelry but he's never acted before. So he's now trying to perform on that level and you have these two kind of competing things that create an interesting energy and a nice alchemy between the two of them. But yeah, the thing is is – the way we cast an actor, we're casting an actor who's, who's acted before for their personality, who they are. Yeah. And that's no different than how we're casting a first time. Yeah. So technically they're the same thing and you treat them as such and it creates a cool vibe. The thing is there's a lot of – it's actually in, in British film, there's – the acting style is always so real. You yeah. know, like Mike Lee was – and yeah, Alan yeah, Clark, yeah. you know, you have all these kind of insane performances and in a way they're messy but it's beautiful and I love it, you know, and there's certain things that happen in them where it's, I can't sometimes like, Oh my God, how is this? It's built into like, you see a lot of actors acting that way. And I guess it's built into the, the training system of actors. I don't yeah. know. There's something different, yeah. which is really cool. Well, it's, it's one of the things I think I find interesting. Does it give you more confidence and freedom? How can I explain this? When you've got the, that guy in the jewelry shop yeah. talking like that, if that was an actor who, in between scenes, was like, was that okay, guys? Yeah. Was this okay? And then he did that. You might say that might be too much. Yeah. But as it's just him, it's like, well, no, that's the reality. Like you've got that. Yeah. I always think when people make a film about a true life event, you've you don't have to have the paranoia over if your storyline is realistic. Yeah. If this would really happen if, <laughs> if we're going too far, because it's like that's how it fucking yeah, yeah. happened. Yeah. And it feels similar in that way. It's like, no, that guy's real. Yeah. Therefore well, you know, he's not overplaying it. He's not overdoing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean the uh, Cohen brothers did the you know the genius thing they did with Fargo is they had it they just <laughs> said at the beginning of the film this is a true story. Yeah. Yeah. And and <laughs> yeah. you know they're genius genius writers that so they write they write with such specificity that like that you when when you add I found when I was a little kid when I would tell a lie or whatever, tell a story, and I'd see the adults kind of drifting their eyes and, oh, here comes another story. I found when I added more details, they started to think that it was true. Yeah. And uh, that's that's true of writing in, in any sense. And, and that's what happens when you when you cast real people is they're going to bring a specificity to a scene that, you know, is going to ground it. You know, it's going to – direct itself in a weird yeah. way a lot of cast a lot of casting is is doing a lot of lifting for you you know for a first story for a film and and uh you know that's you know you can't you can't ever downplay it it really is i mean i, I in particular with that scene that we're talking about with sandler and the two jewelers the pawnbrokers you know they they we would do the scene uh the first two takes you know we're trying to do it as scripted but you know and, and they're looking to us it's like hey can do you mind if we change this up a little bit and like no we're we're, we're we cast you so you yeah. can change it up a little yeah. bit and uh and it starts to inform sandler's you know performance there's an amazing moment though when it's like he's like all right make it quick 
And like that was that was in a way that was him actually. We told him say it quicker, you know, say it quicker, and he said, "Okay, make it quick." So that it, but that makes it a part of his performance <laughs> that he's just like getting Howard to the point. But we really wanted him to speed up the performance so we can have it in the edit. Yeah, and it is funny when these people. It was also funny when you sit down and in the research you watch these deals go down and they happen lightning fast. Yeah. You're like, wait, what? That's, That's what they're yeah. just done now. <laughs> so you kind of need to speed it up for the sake of the film. Yeah. I love that. Well, I mean, speaking of of, of casting, Julia Fox just emanates oh off the screen. Yeah, she's in this. She was such a standout. It yeah. wasn't someone I was familiar with before. No. So first time. That, was that her first time? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. She, yeah. she, she's a show stealer in, it, in, yeah. in the scenes that, mm-hmm. that she has. How is it to find those, <laughs> those uncut gems yeah, in, exactly. in that way who you know are going to be like wait till people see this how, yeah. how is this person not a superstar yet well it's funny because julia julia is somebody who uh, she's from new york and I, and i had kind of had friends in common with her but i um didn't know her and i was admiring her from afar and she was like a designer she was a uh, vine? Was she, vine? she was. She had this Vine channel that was amazing. That she was just posting six second loops of her it's insane lifestyle. She had all these people around her all the time, and then you know, and then she was a you know like a she was like a personality, a downtown personality, and then she would. Then she was a photographer and then she was a painter. Then she showed up in Playboy and then, you know, just like, but she just was kind of, you could never, and then you meet her and you thought that you knew who she was. And then she would say something that would totally surprise you. Yeah. Uh, and then she would, and then, or she'd p- play a song for you that all of a sudden you would be, yeah. you would never, had never heard, listened to that song before, but totally listening to it through her, uh, her ears was, was different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she, she's somebody who in 2014, I sent her the script. Wow. And that was already four years into the process. And uh, she really responded to heaven knows what. So we became friendly. And then she read the script. I remember I was in L.A. and I met up with her and I talked with her about the script. And her first question was, are you spying on me? <laughs> because she couldn't believe how similar she was to the character. Oh, wow. And that's just, you know, that just speaks to, I don't know, the the mm-hmm. the, the fate of a project. And and then from then on, you know, the you know, the four or five years in between that moment and her being in the movie, she became such an integral part to the writing process. Whenever I would get stuck, I would call her and I would talk to her. I'd say, well, what would you do in a scenario like this? What would this character do? We talked about this character being somebody who who is constantly usurping people's perception of who they are and, and how she's using – you know, people, people's judgments on that character to kind of get what she needs and what she yeah. wants and, and, uh, and how her and Howard are a match made. She likes to say match made in hell. Um, but, um, we, we actually, but did. she, but she was very helpful. And, and, you know, the, the tattoo scene was <laughs> literally straight from her. I can't take credit for that. I asked her, what would you do in the scenario to, to hit reset on the relationship? She goes, I get a tattoo for him. <laughs> Just like, I she, love it. Cause yeah. it, again, it, it, it's really interesting to hear that as part of the writing process because it sh- it shines through in, yeah. in 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 all three of the films I've, I've i've seen from you guys is there's not the traditional uh, introduction fall and then rise mm-hmm. there's many rises and many falls <laughs> and it, it's not the traditional structures because yeah. yeah. life isn't the traditional structure sure, there's yeah. many opportunities uncut gems is a prime example of there's many opp- opportunities for redemption yes and there's so many times that opportunity you're like yes it's yeah. there and it's like nah yeah. let's fuck that off and, and continue yeah. to go in that direction yeah. and that that is real life and, yeah. and so again on a story like this that's so 
huge and ludicrous in ways. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> like the stakes are insane. Of course, yeah. It's, yeah, it feels real because it's like, yeah. well, yeah, this is the way it's gone. That so, was something yeah. that we had to kind of battle with, the stakes element of it, yeah. because on Good Time, the stakes were really low, yeah. but they became very high yeah. in their kind of, in their lowness, you know, the yeah. grandeur. But this was, and specifically with Ronnie Bronstein, who we, who we wrote the script with and, and who edits the movie uh, with Benny, and, and uh, you know, he... You know, it, unfortunately, you can. He was incapable of of seeing numerologically, at least. Like, well, it's too it was too unrealistic for him to think of yeah. numbers. Like, hundred thousand, too much. It's too much. Should be less. Should be less. I was like, no, no, no. This man deals in units that we yeah. don't understand as yeah. as humans. At, yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. just that's what makes him larger than life. And that's, um, but you know, that's what what was interesting about the world. That's why we knew we needed a bigger budget because it's it's a materialist world. It's an expensive world. That's yeah. why we needed movie stars and things like that. But in, in addition to that, we needed a movie star because Sandler's character Howard is a star in the Diamond District. So you need yeah. a star to kind of show that stardom. No, it's, it was just thinking about it. Like if you have a moment where this. Howard does something that you wouldn't believe he does. Yeah. You have to believe like yeah, the work you need to do as a filmmaker is get the audience to believe that of course he wouldn't do that. You know, so that yeah. he doesn't make that decision. It's believable because it would be unbelievable if it was the opposite way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating because as as you said though the stakes become realistic in the minutia, in those small <laughs> scenes where a deal is made in yeah. ten in ten seconds, yeah. as you were saying. That you'd like, I would think this would be negotiated for weeks because yeah. it's huge amounts. But that's their world. It's yeah. like these yeah. are small stakes. This is it. Even Just though like yeah. sure. he's he's on the edge of losing everything, it's still well. <laughs> Yeah, twenty thousand, forty thousand, yeah, fifty thousand. That's what's so. I was. What's he just so gives in, away the stone that he spent ye- like a year yeah, trying to yeah, get. It's worth yeah. a million dollars in his mind. He but gives that's it the, away. That's the beauty of the Diamond yeah. District in, in New York. Is that you know I was something I came across all the time in my research is just seeing people do these deals, such high stake deals and handshakes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, and there's not, there's barely any like paper. It's all word based, which is insane. Yeah. They memo. They memo. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's still. A lot of the times, oh yeah, I, it's total trust, you know. I love that. I love that. Um, uh, another thing that's popped up a few times with you guys is, I mean, I want to talk about the music in general, but working with musicians as well. Mm-hmm. So Necro okay. <laughs> jumped out on screen as soon as I saw him in in, in Good Time and in um, Heaven knows, knows, knows What. Yeah. Um, and he's amazing in that as, yeah. as well. But then I love Necro. Yeah, but the, but the weekend in this was yeah. was fantastic. It's more I've have seen it described as a cameo. I've heard it described. It's more than a cameo. It is, yeah, it's, for it's, sure. it's, 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 well, his character it's, is a presence in the movie yeah, too. Yeah, you, know, you meet him early on, and then he comes back. Yeah, exactly that. It's a constant presence. It's reference, and then he has these moments that are key moments. Yes. How is that kind of, and, and what's the motivation there? Is it people that you're kind of either a fan of or familiar with? And you're like, well, this would work perfectly. Well, Necro was Necro was uh, you know somebody who I I remember when I saw I Need Drugs the video for the first time. I didn't know what yeah. I was looking at. Yeah, uh, yeah. and um, and just musically, he's just a unique original. So you know, he and he just fit into those worlds really well. Yeah, uh, and and this world in particular, you know, like. You know, I remember seeing uh, uh, Eliante or Aviani's piece uh, for the weekend when he first started popping. He did Low Life for Life, um, a big, huge diamond pendant, and it was, it was massive. The trap, the trap house, too. It was just, well, that was the <laughs> I know, I know, but, but Eliante. The weekend's, weekend's piece that they did, Low Life for Life, was just like, it was huge. It was just like, it was a real statement piece yeah. uh, in the bling world. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's somebody who, 
you know, came to us. You know, he saw heaven knows what responded to that. We had a little bit of a, you know, communication going. And then after a good time, we just became friends. And, and, uh, we started to watch movies together and started to talk about movies and share. And then he would share music with us and, and, um, you know, that, and then, you know, he want, we just thought it would be, it's always great to work with your friends, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, he, you know, when we landed on 2012, for a while the movie was going to be contemporary when it was a contemporary <laughs> basketball player. But, um, when it went back to 2012, it was exciting because we were like, oh, we're going to bring back the weekend's hairstyle <laughs> from 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, our, me and Neil did the hair and she did an amazing job recreating that hairstyle, but it was like, it was it was not easy to do that, but the second he put that hair on, he became the punk that he was yeah. in 2012, and it was amazing that he wanted to portray himself as the punk that he was when yeah. he was more when he was more anonymous and mysterious. So okay. it was cool that he was like, "Yeah, I'm down to," you know, as you see in the movie, do the scenes that I, he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how important is is New York as a character in in, in your stories and storytelling? I always describe. Uh, last time I was out there, I was chatting with uh, Jean Grey, and, the, and and I had one walk before this podcast that I felt described New York, and the walk started feel, feeling like a Nas video, and then it halfway through it became a Matashahu video, and by the end it was a Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Yeah's video. And that was the beauty of that <laughs> was the course. beauty of a 40-minute yeah, walk yeah. in New York that I could go through all these things. How key is that as, as part of the story's that you tell across your films. Well, the, these movies happen to take place in New York. And then I guess for us, it's a matter of getting the city on the screen in the way that we feel it. So yeah. it's, it's our home and it's, we know the energy. And like you said, you can see so much stuff on one walk. You get on the train and you see all these faces and yeah. all these ideas. And it's just very invigorating. And so we don't close down streets when we shoot. You know, we keep it open. So we oh, do wow. have – a lot, there's a lot of extras that are going through and pretending like there isn't a movie going on. And we have PAs that are there that are making sure that, I guess, actors are kind of covered by a bubble. But they're also going up to people looking at the camera and saying, hey, by the way, where's the subway? Like, and to get them distracted and look away. Amazing. And so we're doing that. all this stuff. But at the same time, we want to keep it open so that you have that feeling. You aren't also – the moment you put – it's like when you, build a, like when you build a dam at a river. If you start putting these blocks – all you're going to get is a bunch of water rushing towards that and eventually breaking through. Because whenever anybody goes to stop me on the street while they're filming, I get so upset. Even though I'm the last person who should be upset, I should totally want to listen and be like, oh, I totally get it. This is the production. I'll let you do what you need to do. But I know, and like in my sense, the frustration builds up and it breeds into the neighborhood. Whereas if you keep it open, you just let people just go about their day. What are they going to do? They'll look at the camera once and then you're on. You can edit around that or you're probably yeah. not even going to notice it. So you let that happen and then it breeds this kind of goodwill throughout the neighborhood and you get to capture real people and real things that are happening in that area. So. Yeah, at one point a guy walks through our frame holding a bolt cutters. Yeah. I don't know, he's some, some custodian who worked in the building and having that – that guy walk through your frame in that That's moment insane. is, is it, you can't, I could never think about that. We try <laughs> to, you try to sit there, you go into a restaurant, you write down the demographic of the people to try to re recreate with the extras. But then you get those extras. He's like, doesn't feel like it did when I saw it in real life. Yeah. Uh, and you even get specific with extras like, Oh, I think someone should have a cast or someone should, someone should be on crutches and uh, you know, and, and, but you know, you, you gotta be willing and embracing of the, uh, 
of of the energy of the street because you it'll help you and if you push it out it'll come back to bite you in the ass but you know look i think the reality is is that we have we have the luxury of of we've had the luxury of making a bunch of movies now in new york i want to make movies elsewhere too but the reality is is that we have just basically this uh, what's the word incumbent, not incumbent, but, uh, but no, yeah, this innate, yeah. this, well, this, this research, you could call yeah. it research. If we went to another place, we'd have to go and do the research. Yeah, we yeah, wrote, yeah. I wrote a screenplay that takes place in LA and you know, I've been to LA a bunch, but I wrote it in neighborhoods I never been to before. And I was literally just on Google street, just going around and it felt, you know, I was like, okay, I'll do this for now. But at some point we're going to have to actually go and experience this yeah. and do the proper research. But that's what we have to gain with making movies in New York is we have all this kind of implied knowledge and, and, you know, or banked research. You've got a, a lifetime of research. Yeah, exactly. It's the, the thing everyone always says that for musicians, the first album is, you've had your life to write it. Yeah. Your second album, you've had a year <laughs> exactly. or two years well, coming. It's, yeah, that, it's yeah. that difference. Well, you look at um, All Things Must Pass. Yeah. <laughs> I can't feel so bad. Yeah, yeah. That was like the first record of all of the stuff that he had been compiling while being angry at the, at the Beatles for not letting him put it out there. And he, yeah. I think he put too much. Yeah. It was a double record set, you know, and George Harrison just put it all out there. He's, I still love the later stuff too, of but course. it's just funny how that happened there. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I love... What you said there about the guy just walking past with the bolt cutters, because it's, <laughs> it's something I'm obsessed with in acting, that no matter how small you are in a scene, in the real world, you're the lead. Yeah, exactly. So we're all the lead in our own exactly, film. So yeah. every person in the background isn't a background person. That guy has got yeah. such a story behind the bolt cutters exactly. from where he got them to where yeah. he's going. But we spend, we spend time on, on – we spend so much time sometimes. On, it's kind of crazy. It might, some people might say it's a waste of energy on casting someone who has one line, mm. you know, and – Get the and waiter in that one scene. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a waiter in a scene that Sandler asks where's – Mike Francesa's character, and he says, "Oh, he's in the back." That guy, we did two auditions with him. Uh, I mean, it was for a role that got cut, but then we carried it over, and that work goes into it. And you kind of know that person's personal history. Our casting director in New York, Jennifer Vendetti, did a forty-minute interview with him, where you were actually just engaged and listening to this great story yeah, of man. this guy. Uh, but you know, like the guy who plays Kevin Garnett's bodyguard. You know, he oh God, he didn't yeah. have that many lines in the script, but he's in a lot of yes. the movie. He's yeah. anytime Kevin's there, he's there too, basically. And uh, his name is Sean. He's an actor, and and I said to him, and this is a scene where Kevin's character gets locked into the vestibule, and um, I went up to this guy before, and I just realized he's going to be in this vestibule the whole time, and and yeah, we could just. Let him respond to what's happening, but the direction I I thought was important for him in that moment was to tell him that your character's claustrophobic. You're a big guy. You're stuck in this thing, and you're claustrophobic. And and right when his character realizes he's locked in there, he comes in and interjects in the scene. He improvises, and he goes, "I'm claustrophobic." <laughs> but it's a it's, very memorable moment in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also yeah, he he. We go in, and he's so empowered to feel that. Like it, the thing is, is it's funny. I watch him even in the in the auction scene. And when Kevin makes the bid, he does this. He's really just responding to everything. But again, we want to create that feeling where everybody is important. You know, everybody yeah. is the center of their own universe. I is love what they it. Say. And, I mean, but, I, I, I couldn't relate more to that. I've, I've literally, <laughs> I've, I've just been, my mates have been laughing at me because I've just been, been cast in this film, which isn't announced yet. But I've got one line <laughs> and I've just booked two sessions in with my acting coach who taught Tom Hardy and Michael Fassett like this amazing guy but I'm like but I want the pe- other people in this film are amazing yeah. I want to get this one line I want yeah, it to be course. everything and it seems 
everyone was like, just one line. Like, you've told me the line. I've heard you say it. You can say it. <laughs> yeah. Go and say it. But still, it's that, no, it's fucking wicked, though. Yeah, yeah. How cool is it to be involved yeah, in yeah. this kind of, course. of thing? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful, though, because you can get the, uh, there's an episode in Seinfeld yes. where, where Kramer gets uh, cast in a, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, a in a Woody Allen movie, and he just he just keeps he just keeps practicing the line. He, he, ends, up, he over, ends up overdoing it. Yeah, the words that, no longer mean yeah. anything. Yeah. I had that happen. It was like I went in for some. It was an audition. I forget for what it was for. It might have been actually might have been for The Irishman. For mm-hmm. something, I went in. and They gave me this. So like one line in the script, and I went crazy trying to do like this yeah, whole yeah, thing yeah, on yeah, the yeah. one line. And then when I got in there, I'm like, oh yeah, so just like. The the thing was just go for it. Like yeah. let's just riff on this thing. I was like, oh, so like, I didn't know I could just. I've prepared it. Yeah, I don't want so, to riff totally, on it. I've prepared. Totally it. destroyed my ability to even <laughs> yeah. go off of that. So man, it's it's such a weird balance. Well, I mean, we've talked about sound and music and all of that being key to getting the 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 the, the tension across. Mm-hmm. How does it feel, or how do you feel about the current kind of the battle between? cinema and streaming i mean this is a netflix film and i think netflix and amazon are making some of the best films yeah. i've seen this year but i do also love the cinema of and course. love the sound systems yeah people often think it's about the size of the screen it's the sound well, systems as much as anything well, and that's a this yeah it's i a love thing i love the f- i love the fact that um you're mentioning that because the sound systems are the things that you can't yeah 4k projector is awesome but the sound yeah. system is atmos. what makes it futuristic yeah. atmos sound yeah. or seven one and uh you know you in, can get a big tv at home ex- now with exactly. really good picture but, but like really sound immersive sound with in yeah. a room and also it's the people around you too mm-hmm. uh in the uk it'll have a uh, theatrical distribution yeah. before it hits netflix but you know netflix and a24 are the are the studios that are out there right now who are supporting filmmakers you know just completely and 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 believing in the vision and standing by the vision and not interfering and the thing all. is, but like, I mean, you, look at what Netflix did with Scorsese. I mean, that's yeah. unbelievable. Th- this is actually something. And, and Baumbach's film. All, this all is the something films that this year. it's like you say the sound is very important. One of the deliverables for Netflix is an Atmos mix, which right. we would never have done for this movie. We wouldn't have done it. Right. But wow. it was a requirement. So we go into our mix and we start learning what Atmos actually is. And you realize, oh my God, there's all these channels. Each one is its own individual channel, and there's ones in the ceiling, and the fidelity in each speaker is insane. So you could start playing with sound in a way that we would – like it was so in- amazing to us. It was a totally new tool, yeah. and we went crazy with the Atmos. Like It's like the one of the, the mixer, Skip Livesay, is like an incredible mixer. And he the thing, yeah, he's, he did incredible work on Roma and Gravity and, and, wow. and so, all the Coen brothers. And so the way he actually described it was unbelievable to hear. He said it's like documentary Atmos sphere, and it was like – the, that was an amazing thing yeah. for me. And the idea uh, that Netflix is proponent that's one of their things. They're pushing that out there. I love So that. much so that your phone now has Atmos. And everybody's like, oh, you can't really have Atmos on your phone. If you pull up Roma, that, that wave scene on your phone, I swear it does a crazy thing where wow. it actually feels – so it's kind of incredible that they are using the, the – I guess the breath – yeah. Of of availability to increase the watching experience, people are trying to get better TVs and do that stuff. So it is it is cool. But. I, I love that. I mean, there's obviously so much I want to talk about, but we've got a limited amount yeah. of time. But one thing that was the top of my list that we have to discuss is is movement because uh-huh. I think it's so key huh. to to the three films of of your guys I've seen. There's the constant movement towards or away from yeah. something. It's very, it's Larbin and Malgram and all these all speak about that. And it's so constantly engaging and none more so than in Uncut Gems. It always feels mm-hmm. as if wherever the, 
the character on screen is either going to or coming from the most important thing in their life at that moment. And then the next thing is the most important thing in their life. And that translates into the viewer. I've never been a a diamond trader or all these kind of things. Yet I could relate completely because of that movement. Is that, is that important to you? Yeah. I mean, well, we, you, you try movies are cool because you get to, you know, create the simulacra of, 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 of presence, you know, be present with someone else. And, uh, and and we and we've told a couple of epic stories in the sense that uh, the smallest things have a, a lot of weight behind them, and uh, it's I'm happy to hear that that's translating because uh, you know I, I believe that um, in particularly in both gems and good time you know we have you know you have uh, you have these characters who who are um, in the midst of something very important yeah. uh, and also yeah and the movement of the cameras is always tied to the character's state of mind yeah. like where they are you know when you're in the showroom it's wheeling and dealing it's steady cam it's dolly, well, one of the things know? i've noticed as well is that you, you're quite happy to sit away from the characters yeah. a bit and, and set back and allow them to move and not necessarily rely on your close-up your yes, close-up yes. your close is that is that again a conscious thing to kind yeah, of we, again, allow we, you to be an onlooker rather than for sure i mean again it's a form follows function we want the actors to feel like they have the freedom to do what they want to do and uh we'll always try to adapt to their movements yeah and uh yeah we end up i i've always just found a, a comfortable point of view in and being far away with a with an introspective lens so yeah there, and there there are times where a character will like position their body in a, the wrong way and if their performance is best in that take you have to recognize that and get the shot from the other point of view you know and, yeah, and yeah, catch yeah. it and be able to adapt to all that like, kind of movement yeah i love that so j- j- just to wrap things up uh, what's ahead it's I, I love the beautiful yeah. mess of the film industry that this project was probably the project before the last project, <laughs> but then became the project after the last project. Yeah. Is there any plan on what's ahead, or are you focused we have, on... Right, well, we're focused right now on this movie. It took 10 years to get it done, so it's just kind of just like accepting that. But we have... There's a handful of projects. There's one that's probably will be most likely be a more North Star project where we'll work towards it, so that won't be the next one. And there's yeah. another one that we might be doing next. We, we're, we're a little it unsure right now. shifts. You know, yeah. That, yeah. You never know. There's a handful. You yeah. in, For my own sanity, I need to have a couple of worlds that I'm thinking within. And how do you find transferring from them? Because as a writer as well, that's one of the things yeah. I found maddest was I had a script that was got signed by the production company, was all good to go, and then hit walls. It's like, right, I need to jump into another world, yeah. but then I need to be able to mentally be able to jump back into the, I can't yeah. exit that yeah. world too much because if that starts yeah, yeah. going again, I need to be able to return That was to the it. case with, with Uncut Gems. It was, uh, you know, That's why all the things are kind of somehow yeah. related. Let's keep a foot in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, That's oh. why all the films we made since 2010... Somehow, yeah. Are all kind of related to gems, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that's it's that's the interesting place we're in right now. Is like okay, well, what is the thing that we're going to? What's going to be the meta project, and what's going to be the 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 next next one? You know what I, I love mean? Because it, it's such a beautiful thing. Because it it's amazing too. Because it feels like gems couldn't have come out the way it was if oh, it wasn't for the last oh, few totally. films. But then it's beautiful to know that it was the original plan. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. other films yeah. kind of out of your control have happened exactly. and then made That's this exactly far right. better than it would have ever oh, been. Totally. You know I mean? That's yeah. it. We needed them to know how to make this, for yeah. sure. I love yeah. that. Well, th- thank, thank you. you very much for your time. It's been thank a you pleasure. Appreciate Amazing. it. Thank right, you. Thank you.
You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was the Safdie brothers. Um, intros and outros I'm keeping nice and short because, uh, yeah, I just think the content speaks for itself on this one. Next week, I'm joined by Rosie Marcel, fantastic actress and dear friend of mine. And she gives us a hell of an exclusive. We almost, the reason I've not mentioned what was next is because we almost had to push it back because we didn't have clearance to give the exclusive, but we've now had clearance. So that'll be out next week. But yeah, thank you for tuning in. As I said, catch Uncut Gems in the cinema if you can. It's amazing. Uh, But it's on Netflix January 31st as well. But really, it's a cinema experience, I promise you. I will see you next week. Ta-ta.